Men. Oh, yeah? <laughs> I showed him the trailer. He hadn't seen the trailer yet. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, that's wild. It, Buddy, you have no idea. <laughs> you really don't. <laughs> the Blank Check Discord does not love it, which I'm surprised by. Really? Yeah, mm. there's a lot of naysayers. And I, I, I think it is, it is his, his, my least favorite of his movies. I think that there is well, Annihilation's incredible. Yeah, so there's that. It's incredible. It's hard to beat. Yeah, uh, but I think Men is it's it's shallow, sure. But I like how I think maybe you said this. You said, did you did you call it ephemeral or a, um, a elemental? Is it, I don't maybe it was somebody else. You, yeah. There was something you said about it. I just said it was simple. Yeah. Well, and that's that speaks to it though. It's like what did I say? It's simple, so and it's not necessarily a bad thing. Yeah. I yeah. like that simplicity of it. You don't need to have a lot to say about your theme. It can just your movie can be about a single theme, and I no. think mm-hmm. that's okay. No, yeah, that's fine. In I fact, yeah. sometimes a mistake is to be overly layered. Yeah, to yeah. do yeah. too much. Yeah, I mean, I, I really did get. I, I think it's my favorite of his movies. Interesting so far. I mean, Vertigo is only about obsession. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, there's other things happening. Yeah, but it's about. It's got one theme: obsession. Yeah. And Rear Window is even simpler than mm-hmm. Vertigo yeah. from a filmmaking standpoint, right. story standpoint. So, yeah. No, but again, you can, obsession. Yeah. You can overcomplicate. Yeah. Oh, hello, everybody. Welcome again to the Good Trash Honorcast. We're gathered around a table discussing the films you'll never discuss a film today's course. Ha <laughs> ha, Dalton. You didn't know we were recording. I didn't. I've been fooled, hoodwinked, token. Oh, I am still Dustin. I'm still Arthur. I might still be Dalton, but who knows? With these fucking charlatans around me, I could be, could be uh, hoodwinked out of my home. Fun story. We're both played by Rory Kinnear. <laughs> <laughs> Can I tell you about the very... <laughs> It, when I realized that, it did you just, say that's men? <laughs> no, I did, but I did, I did uh, get out of the movie and say, "Oh man, I should have said dudes rock to you at some point during the movie." Just <laughs> like I'm glad Becca was like, "I'm glad you did." I would have laughed too loud. That's funny. Um, we are going to be talking not about the movie Men, and we are rather going to be talking about uh, Romeo and Michelle's High School Reunion, uh, starring Lisa Kudrow and Mira Servino and others, and very, very good time will be had by all in discussing that. In case you're tuning into the show for the very first time, though, we got to remind you, dear listener, this is not a review show, it's an analysis show. We do a little bit of review, but mostly what we do here is analysis, and that means there has to be spoilers. But we avoid it at the top of the show. The way it looks is a synopsis, spoiler-free, then we do our thumbs up thumbs down reviews as quickly as we can again as gentle a spoiler as you might find in the chicago tribune as though someone reads papers anymore and then we'll move on to a little game called expanding the syllabus which might involve spoilers of this but more likely spoilers of films in its orbit and perhaps other readings novels literature essays there's books. a movie i'm going to spoil today yeah well, i usually try not to spoil the other films in the, the film's orbit but i'm definitely going to spo- spoil the movie tully and about Checks watch 30 minutes. <laughs> okay, so there you go. Uh, that'll be, again, you, 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 be aware, yeah. I guess. Just be aware that there could be some small spoilages occurring. Then we'll have kicky music to let you know that we have gotten down to business. And that business being analysis, and that's when all spoiler bets are off. Therefore, you have been warned. I was going to figure an honorific. Um, uh, the Honorable... Arthur Gordon, if you would, <laughs> sir, please deliver that synopsis, please. Really scraping the barrel at this point, aren't we? <laughs> In preparation for their 10-year high school reunion, social pariahs Romy and Michelle try to concoct a success story to prove to everyone that they're living at the top of the world. Yes, they are living their best life now. Um, or are they? Or are they at the end? 
having sold out. Or weren't out. they all along? Or, or, or did selling out really do it? Mm, questions. These are the questions we'll ask ourselves. Yes, we will ask those, but those will happen later. First, we will do thumbs up, thumbs down reviews. Uh, we have all seen the film before, yes? No. Not Arthur. Not Arthur. I had, yes. Okay, Arthur then, therefore, by the luck of the... First cinema time gods, watching, lack the of exposure. Yeah, the, the cinema Russian roulette. These are the rules we play by. <laughs> you have to go first. Oh no! Yeah, not Russian roulette. My least you... favorite of the roulettes. <laughs> <laughs> Do not want to miss your shot. Um, I like this movie quite a bit, actually. Um, yeah, I never saw it. I uh, came out in '97. Uh, at the time, it was not really in my target demo as a uh, what. 11 year old uh so it, it really didn't catch my eye at that time um wasn't a friends person so i really didn't have a buy into lisa kudrow at that time and so really this is about the time what a year or two after friends i think f- is going um and so uh yeah I, I never caught up with it just never got around to it and uh i've heard mostly positive things in adulthood so i've kind of you know put away the assumption that it was just uh, a bad uh, 90s rom-com uh, mostly based on the hearsay that it's actually a pretty good movie so you know getting around to it I was excited uh, and I really went for it um, the humor is is, is certainly uh, on a wavelength uh, that I enjoy uh, the jabs at pop culture that opening watching Pretty Woman and their way they're reacting and commenting on it and also investing in it is, is a really fun bit um, a lot of the things that take place through it uh, which are going to come back up in my syllabus and why I think I really do enjoy this movie quite a bit um, from a, a humor perspective uh, we'll come back to that uh, Lisa Kudrow I think is one of the greats uh, I think she is very under undervalued underappreciated in Hollywood uh, I, I think she is just the absolute best uh, she is the best thing about friends uh, watching it uh, of, of those six friends I, I think she is the standout I, wow, I think okay. she gets it I think she gets comedy uh, at, a, at a way the others don't I have no friends buy-in so I no no uh, no take from me on Friends, but I would believe it because I do like Lisa Kudrow yeah. a lot and the other things I've seen her in. Yeah, I think she's absolutely great. Uh, I'm sure much will be said today about Mira Servino uh, and choices that she makes uh, from scene to scene, uh, not consistently through the movie, um, with her uh, tonal inflection, uh, but they're both great uh, here. Uh, they're both a lot of fun, and I really enjoy uh, the chemistry, the dynamic that they share. Uh, I like Romy and Michelle. They're just uh, a really fun uh, duo. What's not to like pair. about Romy and Michelle? Yeah, they're they're uh, they'd be fun to hang out with. They're just a hoot, I think. Um, everybody else uh, that we get to see uh, from time to time, Janine Garofalo, Alan Cumming, are, are a lot of fun as well. Mm-hmm. And then just a, a cast of other character actors and TV bit players and so on and so forth throughout the the rest of the movie. Just I think. a touch of Justin Theroux, mostly hiding under a hat. Mm-hmm. Yeah criminally under just a touch of thorough <laughs> just just a, just a, yeah. a, a sprinkle a little dabble a, do you dash. sometimes i yeah. mean it's probably justifiable thorough for that point of his career <laughs> yeah he yeah. hasn't really done a whole lot at this yeah, point he, this he's pre, not justin thorough yet yeah, yeah it's very early for him pre uh what's that movie you like Mulholland Mulholland Drive. Drive, yeah. yeah um but uh yeah i i, I dig it I, I think it works i, I like the humor I, I enjoy the kind of simplicity of the the narrative and, and the way it goes and the way it all plays out and resolves um the stakes are never super high and i kind of like that sometimes in a movie um i really like uh so the oceans 11 is when i always point to where the uh 
you know, I, I never doubt for a second where those those characters are going to go in Ocean's Eleven and that they're going to get away with it. Like, I, I, I've never, you know, the first time I watched that, I'm like, oh, they're going to pull this off. There's no doubt. And Romeo and Michelle has a similar feel in that, uh, obviously, you know, kind of what the turns are going to be if you've ever seen a rom-com or screwball comedy of any sort. But the way it all resolves, I think, is about as good as you can expect it to be. And I, I really dig it. Um, so, yeah, I, I had a lot of fun with it. So... All right. Well, thank you very much for that, Mr. Arthur Gordon. Mr. Dalton Stewart, um, this is the Patreon pick from um, that woman you live with. Yes. Your wife. Yeah. Uh, I was about to say that woman I live with is an interesting way to describe her. Yes. (laughs) My my wife. Yeah, of course. That that girl with whom you share a closet. Which one of you is Romy and which one of you is Michelle? Um, Well, first of all, we don't actually share a closet. She has her own Uh, closet. Uh, he has to pick who's a Mary and who's a Rhoda. Uh, that's what he just asked me is who's the Mary and who's the Rhoda. And I'm not going to answer that question. <laughs> no. Uh, absolutely not. I'm not going to answer that question. Uh, I'm probably the Rhoda. Uh, who, who can be sure? Uh, yeah, this movie rules. And it, it is rule. it is a, a Patreon pick uh, from my wife. Uh, who was the person who introduced me to this film? I, I had, much like Arthur, you know, started to hear its reputation. I've always wanted to catch up with it and just never gotten around to it. And uh, this was a big uh, childhood favorite of hers. This was a, a big on-TV on, uh, rotation movie for her. Um, so she was very excited to show it to me. And while we were watching it, she was like, this is probably going to be my next Patreon pick oh, about a year ago now. Uh, and I was like, good. It should be. And here we are now talking about Romy and Michelle. Uh, only my second viewing. But boy, was I excited to do it, uh, take it a second time. Because it is, I, I don't know, the, even watching it the first time, there's just such a... A spell it puts you under where it, it some movies just kind of capture you uh, i think barb and star is sort of the same way i mean obviously mm-hmm. they're very similar films mm-hmm. uh both very much about female friendship both you know about uh, being a two-hander um but i think both of those films have that sort of x factor that some comedies do where they they just sort of grab you and make you know oh this is this is one of my favorite movies now that's great. Thank you for this. Uh, and not every comedy can do that. And I, I think this definitely has that. And it's not even that, you know, it's, you know, a laugh a minute riot. It is just they are so fun to hang out with. And the the comedy situations are so good. Um, this is uh, I got a fun background to it, too. Uh, it's based on a play by Robin Schiff, come, who mm-hmm. came up in the Groundlings based on some characters she had uh, worked on uh, in the Groundlings. So uh, it's kind of a fun that it's got this you know, comedy pedigree to it. Uh, mm-hmm. And I think Lisa, Lisa Kudrow was the original Michelle in yeah. the stage version as well, I think. Yeah. Okay, thank you. We'll probably... Do you, do you have a, more on the, the background there? Or well, you I mean, you kind of hit the high points. I mean, they, they had pitched it originally as a television pilot that they had picked up. Uh, execs were looking for kind of a, moder- a, a female Wayne's World, and, mm. and they found this script. But uh, Kudrow also uh, was with Schiff in, in The Groundlings, so there's that tie as well that's kind of where that i think all comes together i yeah it's i'd seen that kudrow was in the original romeo michelle production so i'd wondered if uh, i couldn't remember if kudrow was groundlings alum or not yeah that's cool uh yeah that's fun i I, again i like that it has that that sort of fun pedigree it's it's a passion project for some of those involved which really you do feel it watching this movie and it's fun to watch interviews with them you know now that this movie has become sort of this cult artifact uh i i got to watch a uh I think it was People Magazine produced. Anyway, I found on YouTube uh, just like a retrospective, you know, Kudrow and Servino hanging out talking mm-hmm. about the movie. And like, there's just, uh, I don't know, there's such a love for this project. You, you know, they talk about even though 
they didn't know what it was going to be when it was released. You never know what's going to be a cult artifact and what's not going to be. But they definitely speak with uh, a lot of affection for the making of this film. And I, again, I think it shows. I think this movie is just full of positivity, uh, which isn't to say there's not problems. You know, it's 1997. We got some some queerphobic stuff going on uh, here and there. Uh, you know, there's some not, I wouldn't go as far as call it out and out racism, but it's definitely the 90s in uh, italics, you know, uh, and more than a few points. So, you know, again, not a movie without its problems, but it is just so heartwarming and fun and silly. And as Arthur's alluded to, Mir Stravino does one of the all-time great comedy voices I think I've ever heard. Uh, it's based on her sister's voice. They're from Jersey, but her sister started talking like a valley girl at some point. Uh, which I think is a fun background on how she kind of locked into the character. So she just mm. pitched, took her sister's voice and pitched it down was basically what, what she has to say about the creation of the voice. But I've had her saying post-its stuck in my head for <laughs> weeks now. I love it. Post-its. 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 <laughs> yeah, this movie rules. Uh, I also think there's some good filmmaking choices. I think there's some cool stuff, you know, that we get this pretty lengthy uh, flashback to high school sequence mm-hmm. that's all done by, like, zoom-ins to their yearbook. Yeah, there's and some I, cool editing and stuff in there. Yeah, I like that bit. Yeah, we get some sort of fun surrealism later on and sort of the second end of the second act. We, we get some pretty fun stuff, too, again, that I think is... Uh, I don't know, just really fun choices. Just weird, wi- wild choices get made in this movie, and uh, I'm always on board for what it's doing. Um, it's And, of course, has, I think, top, we're talking top five dance sequences uh, of all time. It's great. <laughs> it's a good time. <laughs> it is one of the great movie dance sequences. It's, it's so good. Yeah. It's uh, yeah, I'm beaming right here just thinking about it. Uh, yeah, this movie rules. Uh, hopefully, we'll find some smart things to say about it. Uh, but yeah, this movie is a great time. If you haven't caught up with it, you absolutely need to, because as Arthur is said, Kudrow and, uh, um, Servino are just dynamite together. They really are. Uh, and that's, that's the, the great thing. There is no Rhoda. There is no Mary. They both rule. They are Romy and Michelle. They're, they, they go great together. Um, uh, like Barb and Star, like peanut butter and chocolate. It's, it's a great time. Dustin, did you see this in 1997? I saw it in its original theatrical run. I Perfect. surely did, yeah. Perfect. And uh, I remember thinking, oh, that was really fun. And then I haven't seen it since. Wow, so, okay. Uh, so, yeah, 1997 was the last time I saw that. So whatever the math is to 2022. Uh, 25 years. 25 years. 25 years, Dustin. Since I've seen this movie. A quarter of a century. Okay. Uh, That's how old this film is. Now you're you're just being unkind. This film is old enough to have an existential crisis. (laughs) And now I'm having one. But uh, that being said, uh, no, the film is fun. I I, I think there's nothing I can really say about it as far as just the entertainment factor, the popcorn factor regarding the film. I, I, I laugh. Every time, you know, I mean, both times I've yeah. seen it and uh, I, I find uh, Lisa Kudrow to be incredible. I think I think 50 years before in the absence of Lucille Ball, she's Lucille Ball. I mean, I really do. I mean, that's that's Lucille's character, right? From I Love Lucy that she plays and does so well uh, throughout her career. And so uh, I, I, I think she's a comedian on that level uh, yeah. with, with with Lucille Ball. Just the the, the market is has not been as kind to her uh, at this time. It's as really, it I, you know, her. she's, she's had some kind of late, I th- late in career pop-ups and things. I think she's great. And Kimmy Schmidt as Kimmy's mom, you know, she, she 
her name has clout, I feel like, mm-hmm. with a certain like degree of a certain kind of storyteller. There are people who respect the, the Lisa Kudrow business. Yeah. But you're right. I, I feel like uh, her career has not been as great as it could have been. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and again, it's just that that's just not what was being looked for, perhaps. But I think she's brilliant. Mira Servino, I love. I've always loved. And uh, she's incredible. Yeah. And I mean, and come you back were, to movies. Come, yeah, please come back and make more movies. Uh, uh, you mentioned this, and I'm going to say it now because we haven't said it out loud yet the 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 actual reminiscence of the tonal pitch down valley girl that she does mm. is as dalton has observed thoroughly keanu reeves it's it, pretty keanu it's it's very keanu and yeah. i had uh, heard that comment from dalton before watching the movie uh for the preparation i think of the show. actually it was arthur that uh was equated oh, is, so you recognize keanu. it as keanu okay i'm yeah. sorry praise away I'm, well I, i'm sorry i was giving credit i was just to the wrong person to, to the wrong place i'm sorry my friend uh but no it's it's very good and it's very very funny and i enjoy that about it i think i think janine garofalo is always good and all the things that she ever does a legend in her own time absolutely yeah she just like as soon as garofalo shows up in anything you're just like oh yeah i'm there for this she's stealing every scene yeah i'm totally there for this uh alan cooming are coming he's so good he's so good and very very funny i do love the surreal what could be seen mm-hmm. we'll say it that way mm-hmm. to avoid being too spoilerific at this point mm-hmm. uh that's very very fun to me i i do love the fun sort of I, i'm reminded of edits in uh, music videos uh lots of music video edits uh that you would see in the earlier 90s uh of going into those sort of print pain frames of the yearbook and mm-hmm. uh so i really enjoy that you know, almost animated to uh, rotoscope to real life kind of style mm. through uh, the lines of the drawings and into real life. And so I, so I think it's got some directorial flourish. I think the screenplay is great. I think it's really, really funny. I'm worried it's ideologically suspect, but I want to save that for later. Uh, but I do want to throw out a caveat right now. I really, really enjoy watching this movie a whole bunch. I'm not sure it's good for the world, but we'll... Yeah, it's talk more about there's that. a big fat question mark on the end of this movie. And yeah. I, I think every everybody who likes it still kind of feels that way about it. too. Yeah, I, much of it I like and I, I laugh at it. I think it's really, really funny. I think it's absolutely a Hollywood movie. But at some point and, and this is the, this is like one little analytical bit that we can do now, mm-hmm. I think just to sort of kind of help set this up is the way in which uh, commercial Hollywood cinema becomes a pass like, and I think I've said this before on the show, a pass like a 1950s film does. Well, you know, it was the 50s. Yeah. You know? As, we say that about 90s movies a lot. As though it's weird to then say, so, yeah, it's a little racist, a little homophobic, whatever. You know, because it's not whatever. And that's the same thing with this sort of ideological kind of thing that we'll we'll talk more about when we get there. Is you know, there's a way in which I want to be generous to the film and say, well, you know, they're getting made by Hollywood. I mean, this is this is who's paying for this. So, yeah, it's of course it's going to have sort of this capitalist ideology that's going to infiltrate a lot of the way in which it works. But at the same time, like, but is it okay? I don't know. That's where I'm landing there. So I had this sort of ideological twist at the end with the end of the film itself. But all up until that point, I'm like, yes, girl, do that thing. And the Pretty Woman critique, the Pretty Woman critique set me up because I had not remembered the ending of the film for a set of expectations going, this could be metal. And it was more pop punk. (laughs) That's what I would say. Uh, you know, and there's there's missteps along the way, not just uh, as Mm -hmm. far as ideology is, uh, you know, uh, 
comeuppances. You know, it's it's not about building bridges. It is about getting one up on on somebody sometimes when it, when it could be more about solidarity, right? Um, which is you know, you know, which is an awareness that may not have been as much in the ether then. And yeah. so that's that's one of those things I'm w- more willing to give a '90s pass to, as yeah. opposed to things which people kind of they knew there there was other alternative sort of ways yeah. of writing. The stories. way Christie is handled is just sort of interesting overall. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we'll, we'll get to it. Yeah. So um, there you go. I like it a lot. Um, sounds like everybody else likes it a lot. Uh, we may have questions, but we do like it a lot. So that is our final verdict on the film. Let's move on to a little part of the show we like to call "Explaining the Syllabus." Arthur, can you explain that, please? Certainly. Expanding the Syllabus is a thought experiment wherein we, the hosts, assemble an academic course or module within a course based around the assigned viewing for the week and adjacent text from books and articles to tangentially related films and stories. That is right. And That's now, what we do. We're going to do that thing. Arthur, are you prepared with a syllabus today? Yeah, I certainly am. Uh, so uh, about an hour into this movie, about the time that uh, uh, what could have been sequence uh, is coming together, wrapping up one of the two, I don't remember, I, I really started to think to myself, man, this is this is really just uh, reminding me of an episode of The Simpsons. Um, <laughs> I really was curious about that, so I, oh. I, I looked it up and... David yeah. Merkin, a yeah. uh, longtime producer, writer, director for The Simpsons, um, obviously directing here. Getting uh, a little Simpsons love in the auto shop, too. Yep. A little the episode cameo. that he directed uh, yep. Yep, uh, there. Uh, and so I, I think that really speaks to what I really do love about the humor. I'm a huge Simpsons fan, have always been been a huge Simpsons fan. Uh, and so I think I would look at uh, a, a post-Simpsons world. Uh, for this syllabus. Interesting. Um, okay. And so I would start with the article, uh, How the Simpsons Changed TV from BBC.com by Stephen Dowling, uh, which really just goes into the influence of the now on its 33rd season uh, TV show, uh, the primetime animated series that kind of reinvigorated and redefined that genre in a post Flintstones, post uh, Jetsons world. Uh, Older there, than I am. Yep. It's so weird to think about. Yep. Just show has just been a part of my life. I didn't even really get into it as a kid, but it yep. is just like loomed large over my life. I remember it coming out and it being fun and then it being um, perhaps of the devil and not mm-hmm. being able to watch it. That yeah. was a big reason I wasn't allowed to watch it. Yeah. Was it was a, what a little stinker. That little Bart, Bart Simpson. Was. Yeah. Was a little that stinker. Bart Simpson. It might, yeah, glorify bad behavior. Telling you to eat your shorts. What a world. What I, a world. I became a little stinker without watching uh, It did take Bart Simpson to, nope. to get you there. Yeah, it didn't need help. <laughs> nope. Um, that was just already there. Yep. So, uh, yeah, I, I, I look at this and the influence, the impact. I mean, I think you can speak to most people, and I, I think in top five uh, most influential, important TV shows. The Simpsons probably in that conversation uh, of all time. Um, so we'd talk about that. We'd look at uh, South Park uh, from there. Uh, kind of, I think, the first in its wake big uh, animated break. Uh, I think, especially in contrast to King of the Hill, which comes along right around, I think, the same time as South Park. Uh, King of the Hill, obviously, yeah, a lot more grounded. Uh, whereas South Park really does tie into that kind of postmodern referential humor Super that really satir- yep, yeah. satires everything and skewers everything to an extreme. The Simpsons uh, never push to or, or I think try to, especially on network TV. Yeah. Uh, and so we would specifically though look at the episode The Simpsons Already Did It, uh, wherein Butters uh, tries to keep taking over the world and envisioning scenarios, but the Simpsons had already covered at some point uh, in their in their run. Uh, we'd also look at Matt Groening's other big project uh, from the '90s, and that is uh, Futurama. 
Good job. Uh, yeah, uh, a, a, a huge blast. Uh, really picks up a lot of the same things that work about The Simpsons, the, the comedy, but also just the extended cast of characters. And that's something that South Park also does really well is, is just building out this city Deep of bench. South Park. Uh, of all of these characters that they can pull in, pull out, uh, use, and so many of them are recognizable uh, to a, a broad audience outside of just those four kids. Uh, you can kind of look at a number and most people will kind of get references to them. Uh, Futurama does the same thing with uh, most of its crew at the Planet Express. Obviously, we got to talk about Seth MacFarlane um, sure. in here. We got to talk about Family Guy. Uh, and the kind of journey it had, uh, opening up the doors there. I still remember when it debuted uh, on Fox uh, after The Simpsons and then kind of its initial cancellation and then its bring back. And I mean, the, same with Futurama, too. Yeah. Like, both troubled, like, hit production histories for their yeah. shows. And yet, they, I mean, Futurama's about to come back again, yeah. I think for I heard. For the third time or the fourth time. And, yeah. you know, Family Guy's had a couple of runs. Uh, uh, but then we'd also look at Ted. Uh, McFarlane's made a couple of ventures into live-action movie stuff. Uh, so I think we'd talk about Ted, which I think is his biggest and most successful uh, mainstream project uh, with Wahlberg and the talking teddy bear, um, which again pulls on that very specific, very particular style and brand of McFarlane humor, uh, but is also, I think, very rooted in uh, the Simpsons style and presentation of material. Uh, then we look at Bob's Burgers, uh, which is kind of a step back. I think it is a little more in the vein of the Simpsons and maybe a little more so of the King of the Hill. Um, but we would look at that and that animation and what's going on there, especially with their movie coming out. Yeah, uh, We don't see a lot of uh, movies based on TV shows. It took The Simpsons a long time to get theirs made. Uh, Bob's Burgers is getting theirs. Uh, so we would look at Bob uh, and, and what's going on over there. Uh, then we look at Scrubs, um, which is heavily influenced by The Simpsons, sure, I believe. Yeah. I don't think, uh, I can't remember who, but some of the work uh, writers, some of that Simpsons team went to work on that. I didn't know that. Uh, and so it really does do a lot of the same cartoony uh, dream sequences and what-if scenarios and type of imagination brought to life things that uh, those asides that uh, The Simpsons and Family Guy uh, really got known for. Scrubs is doing it as well, but in live action. And I think it's really impressive and uh, just a really fun show uh, with a great crew of characters there. And then finally, we're going to end with Community, uh, a show which kind of takes that, I think, to its natural conclusion and the way in which it explores genre and, and this postmodern satirical critique of TV uh, of what's possible on TV of, of characters and, and the absurdity. And it really does kind of feel like a modern evolution and extension of, of the Simpsons and without the Simpsons, I don't think we get to a show being able to pull off what community pulls off uh, in its brand of humor, but also in its experimental experiential nature of, of genre and playing with all of these different ideas on television and, and doing a animated show and doing a Dungeons and Dragons episode and the, uh, action movie paintball wars yeah, and yeah. all this fun stuff that they explore there soon to be uh proprietors of billion dollar franchise the russo brothers yeah so oh, yeah. yeah it's so weird yeah. like the pedigree of that show yeah uh, a show that i a big fan of obviously yeah. uh smiling over here just you talking about it but you're right i think it owes a huge debt to the simpsons yeah. both in terms of like that sort of surrealism it plays in but also just like being get grounded in character yeah uh, and letting character lead a lot of the time yeah so that's what I do with it, though. I, I do a uh, Simpsons class. Very good, very good. That is a good industrial connection and influential connection there. Um, Dalton, what syllabus would you bring? Well, I, I this is this is a syllabus that I I know is 
begging for more selections, uh, but I, I wrote down the ones that I could think of. Uh, this is a class uh, focused on stories about ex- exploring your past, going back home, things like that. And there's a ton of, uh, a, a deep bench of novels I could have pulled from. Couldn't think of any of them. Not that well read, unfortunately, but I'd thought of a lot of movies. Uh, the first one, uh, the pair of movies really that I thought of was uh, the Charlize Theron starring young adult and Tully, uh, her work with Diablo mm-hmm. Cody and Jason Reitman uh, on the, just a really fun collaboration between the three of them on both of those movies. But I think both of those films do what Romeo and Michelle does in, in an interesting way is, is about going back home and, and reexamining who you were uh, at a previous time, totally in a much different way and a much more sort of surreal way. Uh, now is the time. If you've been keeping an eye on your clock, now I'm going to spoil Tully. Uh, Tully is, you know, Charlie's throne in that movie. Uh, her, her cool hip new babysitter is her. Um, it's, it's a fight club situation, uh, but it's, it's done in a way that I think is really interesting. And young adult even as well is a story about a person who, was an asshole and never grew out of it. Uh, and uh, I think both of those are really interesting stories. Uh, I think we'd also, speaking of assholes who never grew out of it, we talk about the Royal Tenenbaums, a great movie about exploring your past, about uh, reckoning with your childhood and reckoning with your family. Uh, just a fun movie. Uh, probably my favorite Wes Anderson joint by a pretty wide margin, honestly. Um, Gross Point Blank, another explicitly high school reunion movie. Uh, one that I almost rewatched uh, in the lead up to this show, but didn't quite have time for. Rewatched the first 15, 20 minutes of it's it or so. It's a fun movie. It is fun. Even in the first 10 minutes, I was like, I, oh, man, am I going to watch this whole thing? And I had to stop it because mm-hmm. I, I had other engagements, but I was, I came very close to getting it watched just. <laughs> Came out the same month as Romeo and Michelle. The same month, even? I knew yeah. it was the same year, Whoa. but that's wild. Yeah. That's pretty fun. Um, what else we got here? We've got uh, Mar- Martha Marcy May Marlene, uh, the uh, Elizabeth Olsen starring joint. Back when Elizabeth, before Elizabeth Olsen was a superhero, she was in Martha Marcy May Marlene, a movie that I have never stopped having a hard time saying. <laughs> it's yeah. one of the most difficult titles to get out. It's a tongue twister. It, but a really good movie. If you haven't seen it, I would catch up with it. It is about trying to uh, reintegrate into society after having been part of a cult. And uh, I think it's a really, really good film. Uh, but again, I think also does a great job of sort of this this nebulousness of memory and the experience of life. Like it does a really kind of great job of fading back and forth between past and present. And, uh, it's again, a really good movie. Uh, I also like the world's end from Edgar Wright, uh, the end of the Coronado mm. trilogy, the most, again, all the Coronado trilogy, uh, is about growing up in some capacity, but I think this one is the most explicitly about like coping with your past and, and trying to reckon with, you know, what, what you were like as a young person and how do you go from being a young person to being an old person? And what is that? How, how do we cope with that? What does that look like on different people? Um, what does it look like when you never grow out of being the person you were as a teenager? Again, I think some really fun questions to be had with the, that film. Uh, two films that I've never seen, but I knew I had to talk about for this list. That's Peggy Sue Got Married and The Big Chill. Sort of pretty two pretty iconic high school reunion movies. Is Peggy Sue Got Married actually a high school reunion movie or is it just... About oh. Peggy Sue. Anyway, I know The Big Chill is like explicitly a reunion movie. Um, so I, I thought those would be pretty interesting to, to bring into the conversation. Um, also got a, a, a new release, Senior Year on Netflix, a, a Rebel Wilson oh, right vehicle. On, yeah. yeah, it's a, a you know teenager uh, who is in a coma and wakes up a teenager still. As I understand an adult. the dance number is quite good. 
It's got nothing on Romy and Michelle, man. Okay. Uh, it is pretty good, though. It's got a fun dance number. That's just what I heard. And I uh, just... It's got nothing on Romy and Michelle. No, not a chance. Are you kidding me? <laughs> Are you kidding me with the weird interpretive lyrical nonsense that happens? <laughs> That's no something. way. It's hard to beat. Uh, but anyway, th- th- those are the the ones that I-, I came up with, and I know that I'm missing some others for sure. Uh, but again, I think all of these stories really do deal with this question in an interesting way, because uh, I don't know, did you guys go to your high school reunions? No. I didn't know about it. Uh, I didn't go to mine either. Uh, I got called out for not going to mine by somebody who graduated the year before me, who was at mine and was mad that I didn't show up. I didn't like who I was in high school. Uh, you know, I went from being a little stinker to full-blown menace in high school. <laughs> and, uh, you Yama. know, I grew out of that, fortunately, but I didn't really feel the need to take a trip down memory lane as much as nice as it would have been to have seen some of the people that were there, I'm sure. Uh, but I, I think that's what's so interesting about these stories is uh, it's something that all of us can relate to. Uh, however big it gets, however weird it gets in all these stories, you know, we're, we're not all hitmen like Martin Q. Blank. Uh, we're not all... Uh, manifesting a uh, new personality like in Tully. But I think we all have to reckon with the people that we were when we were young, uh, which for most of us is usually a flawed, a pretty flawed person. We all probably grew up to be flawed adults, but we are all likely even more flawed teens. Um, And I I think that that's uh, something that's really interestingly dealt with in all of these stories. Um, I know there's one that I'm definitely missing that uh, I had forgotten to write down. And it's going to drive me crazy. And hopefully by the end of the show, I'll remember it. That's okay if I don't. On a detour, is yeah. this a more modern trend? I uh, like a post-70s? Because this idea of leaving home and coming back home, I mean, that's very rooted. It would feel like in the idea of chasing the American dream, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Sure. Like that, that feels like, I mean, even books, I don't know. I mean, we're kind of, you know, in a certain period, it is all about expansion. Well, there's a lot of stories forward. about coming home from war, right? Like, that's sort of a, yeah. pretty, a mm-hmm. pretty classic theme, yeah, yeah, yeah. classic trope. Uh, that was one that I thought of. I knew there were some stories like that that I was probably dropping the ball on yeah. and thinking of. But that whole high school sort of meat grinder thing, I think, is a definitely post Especially in, in light of, like, the big chill, which is really kind of the, you know, yeah. all these teens with great ideas and big aspirations who come back and, you know, 15 years and realize life didn't pan out the way they assumed it would. I mean, yeah, we weren't really done inventing teenagers until well into the 20th century. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, this is a really good point. Uh, It might be a pretty exclusively modern phenomenon. No, it's really, no, I hadn't even thought of it that way. Well, because I've done a search for books and then really everything popping up is pretty new. Interesting. That's why I was just kind of wondering if that wasn't a more. I was trying to modern think of, existential dread kind of a thing. Yeah, I was trying to think of like family reunion stuff too. Uh, that's well, I thought probably I, how I got to Tenenbaums. No, I thought mm-hmm. about Elizabeth Town. Mean you said this right? Oh yeah, Elizabeth Town. That's, that's a reunion movie. God, that's a thing that exists. <laughs> a lot of people have forgotten about Elizabeth Town. Whoops, <laughs> daisies. Sorry, Cameron Crow. No offense. I'm I'm sure it's good. I know no, there's people. There are Elizabeth Town defenders. Uh, it it is. Only remembered in my mind for being the movie that they coined uh, Manic Pixie Dream Girl mm-hmm. off of. Uh, who's that film critic? Can't ever think of his name. Sorry, bud. And you know what? I'm sure he would hate hearing this to know that he's still the Manic Pixie Dream Girl guy. Yeah. Because uh, he's kind of written and talked interestingly disavowed about the yeah, idea. Disavowed yeah. it, but also, you know, accepted that why it became such common parlance. Uh, we're off on a tangent now. Dustin. Yes. You had a hard time thinking of a class for this. I did. Just, and, something came to you. Well, something did come to me. And the idea of Janine Garofalo being the tormented one 
to you know uh, Romy and Michelle, and mm. they being the tormented ones to the A group, and the weird way memory works, sure, mm. is what I was yeah. thinking about, and the ways in which your perspective is there's a sort of solipsism that we all fall into, and we can't really see beyond ourselves, especially when we're developmentally immature, mm. as we are when we're teenagers, especially at the end of teenage years where we're biologically. <laughs> but anyway, that's a whole other conversation. Um, well, we're just. Tiny monsters without fully formed brains? Correct. Yeah, Correct. yeah, yeah, yeah. The yeah. uh, scariest thing, uh, Stephen King line from Roadwork, scariest creature on the planet is a 17-year-old boy. Um, Checks out. Not wrong. Men, 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 men. But anyway, uh, so there, there's all of that, but the, just the way in which memory itself is a strange thing to understand. And so I thought about just sort of cinem- cinematic encounters with memory. And Romeo and Michelle is a good one to do because to start with, as far as like a commercial level, because it, it deals with it on the most basic level. Some people remember things different than you did. Mm-hmm. Some people just sort of have different perspectives than you do. And I'm not going to go with Rashomon with all this, by the way, that's that I don't, I don't think that's the best example of, uh, of another film to go at uh, this idea of memory, but just the way in which memory itself is malleable and how cinema helps Helps us to see memory in different kinds of ways. I'm thinking particularly about I, I don't remember what the guy's name is. Um, yeah. Handsome McHandsome Face, who turns out to be a cheating drunk. Um, I narrowed it down. Oh, Billy. Billy. In this there movie, you go. You oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, you know that that sort of glistening '80s type short six pack. You know, memory of him. That kid didn't look that good. He didn't look that good. It is a very funny how extremely adult they all look. Yeah. Alan Cumming pretending to be 15 years old is hilarious. Which is probably the closest one, honestly. Uh, he, You know what? He's that good of an actor. He somehow <laughs> makes you buy that he is a small teen boy. Yeah, I, 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 I probably bought it more for him than anybody else. For the... Hey, Romy. Or hey, Michelle. <laughs> yeah, he's so funny. But, you know, th- th- that sort of glossiness of memory... Or yeah. that, or extreme sort of horror to memory, especially like Janine Garofalo's mm-hmm. uh, recollections of uh, of her life growing up in high school. And so the way you know cinema, e- even then, it's not again real showy, it's not real formalistic or bearing the device or anything like that. But it, it does sort of show the the lens through which we're looking at these things as we tra- as we transport through the screen of the yearbook. And so we're definitely getting these sort of skewed perspectival ideas mm-hmm. you know and again the cinematic language the grammar gives us that and again that's a very very commercial film so what other examples are there we can go to american independent cinema and we can look at memento directed mm-hmm. by christopher nolan um starring guy pierce and that whole like that the whole movie's about memory or the loss of memory or the ways in which me- it, the story is being told in that kind of backwards kind of way and that exploration then i'm gonna look at a novel rather than any of the film adaptations although i like the new ones and i like the old ones too for that matter I think I'd have him read Stephen King's It alongside William Carlos Williams' Patterson, uh, which is all about memory and desire and trauma in childhood and sort of how we go back to that, how we block some of those sections of memory. And again, it's all within the sort of supernatural milieu with Pennywise the Clown or whatever being Pennywise happens to be from the stars or from the multiverse. Uh, But that whole exploration of just how is it that we go about remembering and how is it we go about going home? How is it we go about recalling new things? How do we repeat the past as uh, especially in the novel? Because the film versions almost always sort of break up the sort of past and present Mm. dialogue. Uh, They're all stitched together and the ways in which the, uh, the, the, the future, the 85, in the case of the book, mirrors 1958. 
mm-hmm. and it goes back and forth between those two ideas. I think that's pretty fascinating. Yeah, I've, I've never uh, gotten to the book and probably never will because it's a giant tome. It is a doorstopper. Yeah, I can't believe you would actually threaten to make students read that uh, for a class. That's a That'd be a heavy assignment. I'm not a kind man. No, that's true. So I'm told. So I'm Just told. Just a, a brutal professor. That Now I'm going to make him read some modernist poetry on top of it for the epigraphs. Um from William Carlos Williams's Patterson about how the city is structured like your mind mm. of Patterson, New Jersey. And you're probably going to watch the movie Patterson too, right? Which is not about that. I know, but still, it's a very it's a good, good movie. movie. Yeah. <laughs> but a... probably not. Yeah. Pretty, uh, pretty tenuous. Yeah. So there is that. And then the last film I would do is from the uh, French new wave, uh, the left bank of the French new wave, Alan Renee's last year in Marion, Marion bad. Okay. Uh, which is a movie. It's all about memory. And interestingly enough, they'll talk about a place that they're at, at at the very moment they're at the place, you'll see a statue, and the statue's in front of this huge courtyard full of other statuary. And then the camera moves as they're talking about it, and as the camera moves, it's the same statue, but now there's like a, a, a pond in front of it, like they've changed space, there's been a cut somewhere in the middle of all this, and they're describing the space, but it doesn't fit with the space that they're in right now, because... Memory shifts and change. What you remember is not the event. You remember your remembrances. Which was, I was just about to say, that is uh, a fun thing about memory, right? Every time you remember something, you're just remembering the last time you remembered it. Mm-hmm. Brains are fucking weird. Yeah, they're broke. Yeah, um, it's a trip. It, it, and, and so, but uh, Alan Rene uh, really kind of connects that cinematically in cinematic language mm-hmm. and demonstrates that quite well in Last Year at Marion Bad. And so it's, it's a slower film. For that, and so this would be a module within probably like the phenomenology of cinema, the, the sort of experience of watching movies mm-hmm. and what it is as frozen time. And we might read Andre Bazan talking about the sort of photographic archive and how we're sort of embalming time. I was that, about to say, Dustin, metaphor. you're you're fully in some movie mindset stuff. You're you're into movies are more real than reality right now, mm-hmm. just a little bit, which mm-hmm. I'm very much about. Yeah, maybe a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Not, this the, the hyper real that allows us to explain reality to each other well it's always going to be a reflection of our well of the whatever the architecture is of our own minds yeah so the architecture patterson new jersey potentially potentially yeah so <laughs> uh there you go dear listener i think your syllabus just got quite a bit longer and uh, weirdly nerdy uh there for a moment there sorry about that but we're gonna move on i don't know we might circle back to some of these ideas i was having fun well and we, i think they still have some some purchase in our conversation about romy michelle i may or may not have words to say about that but i do believe it's time though now to uh let all the spoilers out and get down to business Sandy Frank is a billionaire, apparently. We can, yeah. we can talk about that now. Uh, I love that he's a billionaire in both the dream sequence and in what really happens. Mm-hmm. What really works out, yeah. yeah. No, it, all, it always worked out that Sandy Frank was going to be hyper-successful. I mean... What well, checks out? Check, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Bill Gates, right? I mean, yeah, yeah. yeah. Of course the wrong. nerd is... <laughs> Hopefully, I mean, Sandy Frank is going to uh, work hard yeah. and do the thing, yeah. And you're rich. I mean, that's just kind of the nerd stereotype of the 90s. Yeah. You know, yeah. Don't make fun of the nerds because you're going to be working for them tomorrow or whatever that meme or quote is yeah no that that sort of became uh a, a definitely a buzzword a buzz line for a while i mm-hmm. feel like uh i don't know if it is anymore i feel like we've decided know. we've gone back to, to bullying nerds is a good idea i yeah. think we've decided we gotta just knock them down the last, last 10 years all taught us a lesson about trusting nerds <laughs> <laughs> well 
<laughs> Trusting anyone, perhaps, is the problem. But anyway, that that was that was cynical. That Sorry. was cynical. I liked it. <laughs> Steve Austin taught me not to trust anyone. <laughs> uh, any other spoilers that are worth mentioning right up top? Uh, besides him being a millionaire and... Oh, Christy didn't become the weather girl. She did not uh, become weather she's girl. She's a stay-at-home mom. She and became a pregnant spoiler girl. Alert. The movie's pretty mean to her about that, yeah. which kind of sucks. I mean, I think it's a fine choice that people make. It, it, it's no good that it has to be a choice so often, right? But uh, it does seem to be that that's kind of what she seems to want as a character. Mm. It's unclear, it's right? It's a moment where it's not certain that that's what she wants. Is it, she has a reaction at a point where it's like she's putting on airs about yeah, how happy she is that this is her life. We're super happy, and yeah, you keep, is it Lisa that says you keep telling yourself that? I'm trying yeah. to remember that character's Yeah, the, 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 the editor for Vogue. Yeah. yeah, is it Lisa her name? Lisa seems right. It's an actor I'm, I recognize, uh, but I couldn't place that i i'm not gonna it's try. not jamie presley it is correct <laughs> no not certainly not but you know i mean there's a way in which the movie works on an ideological level where you it, it, it wants to i think affirm someone making their own decision about what a good life looks like and to live that life and live it happily that it wants to affirm exactly that that romeo and michelle are just fine doing yeah. what they're doing that uh janine garofalo uh, her life is fine doing what she does that being a weather girl or being a stay-at-home mom is fine but it seems to not be able to know how to quite negotiate it being fine versus making fun of versus the well i think the other problem is the ways in which whatever choice you end up making you have to justify that choice by putting down the choices of others yeah uh, they, they got into this in a really interesting way on uh, the bechtel cast uh they covered this film and uh, they kept really ringing the bell for this film's uh, representation of mediocre women, right? Mm -hmm. You're allowed to be a woman and the protagonist of a film and not be exceptional, right? And I, I think the film does a really good job of giving Lisa Kudrow that big, like, she ha she's the one that has the big, like, emotional breakthrough monologue, right? Of, like, I always thought we were great. Yeah. I've always thought our life was cool. Uh, and, and it is weird that the film sort of doubles back on that and, mm -hmm. and lets them become financially successful thanks to uh, some seed money from Sandy Frank. Uh, right. It's it's weird right. that it lets them have that moment of like, oh, no, we are actually cool and we don't give a flying fuck what Christy thinks. Uh, great, great push in on the camera, by the way, when, when Mira yeah. Servino is telling her off. It's a real it's truly it is a, is a good moment of filmmaking. Yeah. Uh, anyway. Um, yeah, it, it's it's weird that it, it, it wants to be so affirming to Romy and Michelle and it doesn't know how to do it without bodying Christine. And right. The, the rest of the A group, uh, because that was the other side of this coin that they talked about uh, that's why i referenced the bechtel cast was um you know they they covered how nice it is the that romeo and michelle are very normal but at the same time they did talk about how it's it sucks that there is not a version of this movie that allows for like reconciliation there right like, right christy yeah. has to stay a bully and the only way you can deal with the bullies to bully them right uh is sort of a bummer that the movie goes that route right and, and just the ways in which one could find again happiness and satisfaction i I'm, I'm okay with the fact that uh billy is working for his father-in-law as whatever he's doing contracting billy doesn't seem happy with it no he's not <laughs> but why can't he be yeah because he has to be sandy frank or he's not happy yeah 
And that troubles me, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. It, it, it is, I'm, I'm okay with Billy being unhappy because I, we need villains. We need, we need antagonists sure. in this drama. And so I'm okay with that. But where is the other example of somebody? Well, I, I guess our other example is your book girl, who probably has a character name that's escaped. Uh, Toby. 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 Yeah. She seems to be just happy with who she is and yeah. where she is. And she knows what she's about. Setting good boundaries for herself, too. Please... Please stop telling me to fuck off. It really hurts my feelings. Yeah, that, I mean, that, that was a uh, strong and powerful moment, I It thought. is. It's a good moment in the movie. It yeah. is very funny when... Uh, yeah. uh, what's Janine Gruffalo's character's name? Um, Heather. 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 It's so funny that Heather is, like, thrilled that, oh, oh, I I was somebody's tormentor. Yeah. I was, oh, okay, cool. I, I was also the worst. Yeah. I was not the bottom of this particular totem pole. Yeah. yeah. So, so Toby. Yeah. Yeah. Which is, again, that's kind of too bad. She delivers the hell out of Sandy Frink's here in a helicopter. Straight down the barrel of the camera. <laughs> yeah. It does a little come a on. Very Simpsons bit. It's yeah. so good. I wish everyone would wave us out. <laughs> and then they yeah, do. And they do, of course. It's, yeah. it's so great. I mean, again, the, the, the sort of self-awareness of the film is, is a lot of fun uh, for that. But yeah, that's where, and this is where my ideological sort of quibbles come out. It's, mm-hmm. I don't know that it's ideologically, intentionally sort of like working for the dark side but i do think it is muddled yeah because there is sort of like the the breakfast club thing where the well you know you, everyone can be themselves and they could be a, a slightly different version of what their parents want them to be but the one person who is the most individuated our our basket case character in breakfast mm-hmm. club ends up wearing makeup and a dress and janine garofalo's in makeup and a dress at the they do ali sheedy heather a little bit don't they and they do they do and then of course romeo and michelle owning their own little boutique that said, really cute dress. Really cute dress. Really cute dress. Very happy of Romeo and Michelle to help her expand her horizons fashion-wise. So many good outfits in this movie. Mm-hmm. I know, there's, there's not yeah. really room here analysis-wise for us to talk about the fits, but the fits are strong, mm-hmm. and the, you can't deny it. And uh, the, and the, the, the shininess of all the fabrics is just excellent. <laughs> so good. It's Mona May who also did Clueless. Oh, no kidding. Mm-hmm. Oh, That's that, awesome. That checks yeah. out, Yeah, actually. that makes a lot of sense. I mean, that, that color palette is just so rich. Yeah. Ah. Yeah, love love the way that that looks. But okay, so I guess that that's where we're going to leave that. Is ideologically, it's kind of a little messy. It's cool that they get to do what they love, right? Mm-hmm. But that is so much the the measure of success in sort of I a turn what late I stage capitalist world, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah, I have monetized my hobby, and I don't know that that's necessarily the best thing in the world. I look at people who do what the three of us do for money as their real job, and I think. My God, what a terrible, terrible way to spend your life. I would be stressed out every moment of every day because I'm a dumb little dipshit who says all kinds of dumb things and I don't want to hurt people's feelings, but I inevitably do. And uh, making that your bread and butter, uh, how you pay your rent, pretty scary stuff. Dangerous yeah. game. Yeah, I agree. Um, it's it's weird. Uh, and again, like th- there's nothing wrong with that, right? Like That is cool in theory, but it is sort of the benchmark for self-actualization in our society sometimes. And that, that is sort of where this movie's muddled message comes in. As mm-hmm. you said, like there, there's no universe where Romy and Michelle can just continue to be Romy and Michelle, even though that is what Michelle suggests to Romy is we can just go back to being us. Mm-hmm. And that is seemingly what they're going to do before Sandy Frank shows up and dances the night away with them. <sighs> Such an incredible dance. <laughs> it's so fun. So incredible. Just, just the, like the weird posing while Lisa Kudrow's doing her little ballet leaps. Yeah. It's incredible. It's just, it's really good stuff. Um, yeah, I don't know, man. I, I'm right there with you. I I am troubled 
not I don't yeah, troubled's too strong a way to put it, but I'm definitely looking askance at, at the yeah. end of the movie. Because it's it is it is just such a again, hand waving away a nineties choice. Uh but not even really that. I feel like that's the choice they would make if this movie was made in twenty twenty two. Probably so. Yeah. I mean and again, think about how the movie opens and she's looking at, you know, they're looking at a pretty woman mm-hmm. and uh you know, the the, the sort of rodeo drive sort of encounter and she's just as much of a whore as you are whatever yeah, the line is that's I, I was gonna try to do it in the Romy voice and i can't do it but it is sort of a bummer too that's another moment that's like oh come on Romy. but but i was thinking you know again not remembering the film like oh yeah so they're gonna just they're gonna be themselves they're gonna try to pretend to be something that they're not and they're gonna realize this is ridiculous we can just be us yeah and be happy and I guess I had an expectation at that point for them to do an anti-printy woman. Which is what they do for a second. For a, for a moment. Yeah. The movie lets them have it. And it's such, a, again, it is it's so great. weird. And so, would you, would you say? No, oh, it's, it's great until... It's great. Until it's great it's until it's not. Yeah, that, 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 that um, what's the word I'm looking for? That catwalk into uh, the... It's uh, powerful. That's powerful. It's great. I'm like, yeah. yes, you be you, sister. I'm, I'm loving every bit of it. And yeah. then, you know... If uh, Lisa Kudrow wants to have sex with Alan Cumming, I'm knock yourself out. Uh, that's that's great. Uh, she's glad he didn't bring his notebook. She she is <laughs> she's not she's, hiding his she gigantic is, Sandy Frink boner. Apparently. She is um, <laughs> grateful of that. And again, that's all fine. And for them, and then for it to be two weeks later, they're back at their lives. They're going, let's go to the club again. You yeah. know, and like I'm waiting tables here, and I'm having a great time. We got cute clothes, and we look good, and we can both be a Mary, yeah, or you know, or whatever. And that's the ending. It's not conceited for- when we say we're cute. <laughs> it's just true. It's just kind of what I wanted. Like we don't need to yeah. drive a Jag, no. uh, you know, those kind of things. I do love the Mara Savino scene where uh, she pretends to have sex with man, Ramon. 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 That's not- it. Bad, pretty bad stuff with Ramon, unfortunately, but it is a funny bit. It's so funny. She, she's very good in the scene. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is. Ramon's a weird character. It's sort of an unfortunate character. Yeah. But it is it is a funny bit. I will give you the bragging rights without yeah. giving you the action. Mira Servino's very funny it's in that very scene. funny. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, like, we don't have to do this. We don't have to behave like that. And, of course, they're, they're sort of not anyway. They're not doing any of the stuff to start with. But, anyway, that's that's my little hand-waving issue at that uh what else can we talk about analytically with the film i don't know we, we were just talking about uh the mary and rota stuff and that that is sort of the only thing they they can do to each other is argue about who's cuter mm-hmm. right that is the thing that they end up at, at odds with each other about even though like michelle's initial gripe is you don't see me as smart enough to have invented post-its yeah mm-hmm. um but it does become about cuter and then there is again this sort of uh it, you know this inner female antagonism with christy that is you know, it feels very much a product of its time in some ways. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, again, hand waving away the the bygone eras that are the '90s, but it, it does feel of a piece of of that era to me. Yeah, in a way that's unfortunate. Uh, and again, we've got the the queer phobic stuff where she's like, "Ask me again when we're thirty or whatever." Well, that's I, I kind of like the ambiguity of their relationship. You know, it's, the, it doesn't. Everyone's like, well, "Are they or aren't they?" It doesn't work as well as Barb and Star does. No, you know it what doesn't. I mean? Yeah, it's it. It just. I agree. I want. I want to give the generous read of that of yeah. Mira Servino's line read on that. Mm-hmm. I, I'm right there with you. I want to sort of generously think. No, it's actually Romy starts to do the mental calculus and is like, "Okay, actually, I guess I could be into that." Mm-hmm. But again, the way the line is actually is said. I mean, the actual words that are said are. 
kind of a bummer. Even yeah. if I'm with you, I want to give it that that uh, generous reading. Right, yeah. It, but it's not... There's another moment, too, that I'm forgetting. I, I didn't write it down because I thought I'd remember it, but there's another moment that sort of... Yeah, re- little smacks very, of that a little bit. Yeah, yeah. a little uh, queer panic stuff. Mm-hmm. It's a little, oh, man. That's the 90s. I know. But again, is, but it's not but the... It's, no- yeah. Exactly, right? Like, we knew better. There were people who knew better in the 90s. Mm-hmm. There's plenty of people who knew better in the 90s, and, and we're trying to convince people to do better. So, it's, again, it's very Hollywood, though. Mm-hmm. I mean, Hollywood is always behind as far as getting on the ball yeah, with, right. with uh, treating people like people. Right. Um, it's, you know, it's hard. And the, the 90s is a punching down decade for comedy in a pretty big way. Uh, and this movie avoids that most of the time, I feel like. Yeah. But, but it's, you know, it's got to have Christy be the punching bag at the end of the movie. We've got to laugh at a pregnant woman's body. We've got to laugh at her choices to to be a mother and invalidate those choices. And the gotcha of getting your husband, you know, yeah. whatever catfished i guess not really catfished really catfished we have we don't have a fun uh verb for setting somebody tricked. to think they're gonna yeah menage <laughs> trick that's pretty good that'll work that's pretty good uh honey honeypotted honey, honey yeah perhaps yeah <laughs> i'm not sure how you describe that particular yeah, action it's not that's no, it's not quite Stood a up yeah just yeah there's uh, something better than that, that unfortunately. Yeah, but yeah, that's that's what we're trying to say. One of us is going to text the other two in about an hour and a half with a very just clever a burner. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, just an absolute barn burner. I'm I'm liking Menage Trick. The more I think about it, though. <laughs> anyway, uh, there is more. I'm remembering now, like, there's more of this, like, what is success stuff than just with Romy Michelle, right? Because Heather is super successful with her her quick-burning businesswoman cigarettes. She seems not to be very happy about it, yeah. Yeah, she she doesn't seem super thrilled, uh, but that's that's sort of the Heather charm. Mm -hmm. She's not thrilled by anything. Yeah, correct. Uh, But Lisa, again, you know, the the, um, editor of Vogue. Yeah. uh, Sandy's like, I've got a house in Aspen, and, uh, you know, talks about all the pads he has. Um... And so it's it's interesting how many figures we have sort of propping this up, right? As much as we all want to be uh, to get that Romy and Michelle go back to being regular ending, mm-hmm. it's interesting like just how many characters there are in this movie sort of propping this idea, up. right? It's at least three, right? Oh, and again, their situation is financially complicated because they are indebted. I mean, there's no they have yeah, to be. Well, right? they they say something about having it's going to take a long time to pay back. Um, think um, freak, think is, Fr- frink, frink. It's maybe it's Frank. I think you're Alan right. Cumming. Alan Frank. Cumming. Sandy Frank. Frank. You're right. They they mentioned that they have a loan from Frank. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I forgot about. It. I thought you meant earlier in the movie. Uh, yeah. How are they funding that very nice apartment oh, yeah. though? Yeah, yeah, on yeah. <laughs> on Romy's yeah. job as job a cashier at a Jag dealership, yeah. right? <laughs> and, and maybe Michelle's yeah. unemployment. Maybe <laughs> occasional. If she un- filed for it. Yeah. yeah. If she, rem- yeah. Mm. It's yeah. Good. It's uh, it's the uh, the the three thousand square foot. Uh, New York apartment. Yeah, Lisa Kudrow knows all about unrealistic real estate. (laughs) (laughs) So let's think about, the last thing I want to talk about is just the cinematic compulsion to go back to high school reunions. Okay. And and just what is it about that that we find uh, that is it is it one of those things where you have a coming of age drama for every generation? You also have a high school reunion thing for the 80s kids, for the 90s kids. So you've got these sort of they, they they sort of fill that particular void of either a remembrance, like a period piece, like Perks of Being a Wallflower, mm-hmm. for people who were graduating in the 90s to watch. And is 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 this movie like um, Gross Point Blank? I can't think of any um, 
High school reunion movies set in the early aughts or the. Late I mean, we're 90s. we're in a we should be in or a glut t- of. M- I mean, that's nostalgia. what senior years, right? I mean, senior that's years, kind of... that yeah, that's what I say. That we should be in a an absolute like boom uh, of nostalgic millennial shit, right? Well, I but think what we're getting only, is more like Ladybird, where I was just oh, you know, I love you so much, Arthur. When I kissed you on the that. mouth, <laughs> yes, I was going to say Ladybird visiting straightforward exactly. yeah. because I think it's easier, right? You have to. It's easier to go to like the early cell phone era than it is to reckon with going to high school reunions in the social media era, right? Like, who even... Like, if, if you want to know, know what everybody's doing. Exactly. Yeah. If you want to know what the people you went to high school are, with are up to, you can find out pretty the easily. mystery is gone, yeah. Uh, I mean, there's some of this promising young woman, right? It, it's that seeing people on social media... I mean, we you keep up with these people now in a way that you didn't in the 80s and 90s. Yeah. And that was your chance after 10 years. Oh, I wonder what Billy was up to. I don't know. But now I'm friends with B- Billy the day I meet him on... Facebook, and then I've followed Billy for 10 years, so yeah. I don't really have that buy-in or interest. Yeah, you know I can that. see how badly our plans deviated mm-hmm. in real time. <laughs> yeah, I don't you... need that catch-up to be like, oh, you didn't become the yeah. quarterback of the you Dallas got to Cowboys? Watch, you got to watch John S. get MAGA-pilled as it happened. You didn't need to find out at the reunion. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. And maybe that is a thing, then. I, yeah, I think maybe. I don't know. Especially somebody who's not on social media, really, other than, you know, my... I, kind of lurking on Twitter still, like never having had a Facebook. There is a little bit of it, of it for me where I'm like, eh, maybe I should have gone to my reunion because there's a ton of people that I have no idea what they're up to because mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not on Facebook. Right. And I probably could easily find out, but, you know, I'm just not going to go there. I don't I don't want to traffic that particular website. So it's, it's interesting. Uh, th- but I, I think you're right. I think it's an impulse that, like, at least at a storytelling level is going to be expressed in a pretty interesting way over the next, you know, few years or so as we, as, as millennials get older and older, uh, and start to make more stories that are recollecting, um, or reconsidering. Uh, I think we're going to get more stuff like that because, you know, we've had a lot of it from Gen X for a while, right? Mm-hmm. Obviously gross point blank and Romy and Michelle. Um, but even, you know, later into, uh, there's this movie, uh, friends from, or, uh, this Netflix series, friends from, from college. college. Yeah. With yeah. Michael Key and, yeah, you know the one. Um, yeah, that's and that's very uh, much a, a sort of a Gen X generational uh, focused yeah. thing, right? Yeah. Uh, so I, I, again, I, I'm wondering when and where it's going to come because it seems like we haven't, as you said, there's Lady Bird and Senior Year, but I can't really think of a ton of things that are like very focused on 80s 90s kids like being in their 30s and 40s now i mean i feel like there is a romy michelle kind of movie there though where your instagram yeah persona doesn't fit the real life um yeah there's a there's a little reckoning with that in the in senior year on netflix which i think is fun there's there's an insta mom uh who's Mm. who looks is very successful to the town on the outside and her and her husband are like imploding on the inside um so that's that's there but i think you're right there's definitely a movie there right Mm -hmm. like uh, of of the preconceived notions we have about people because of social media would be through Mm -hmm. through that access that we give each other to our personal lives that there is definitely a movie there about the incongruities like going on between the the online persona and the real person right Uh, i think there's definitely a very interesting story to be found there and i'm with you i'm surprised that we haven't quite gotten there yet because it seems like we should have uh, I mean, yeah. this, this generation's getting old as hell. Uh, that's why uh, Gen Z's making fun of us so much. We They should be. Well, and again, it does seem that the interest for millennials has been to just go back in uh, period pieces. 
that seems to have been more mm-hmm. the interest. Yeah. So so far, yeah. I mean, I was trying to think. Is there is there any other like solid early aughts period pieces other than coming age movies? I was thinking Pen Fifteen, I guess. But that's you yeah. Know, looking back at middle school, um, and again doing it is very much a, a period piece set in that time. Yeah. And maybe it is just because it's easier to reckon with. You know. Early cell yeah. phones, early social media. There's I mean, a little bit easier to make the spectacular now than to have Miles, you know, Atherton come back to yeah, you have know. to yeah, deal with a Instagram subplot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Were you about to say something? Well, uh, I was going to bring up uh, Petit Maman, uh, Celine Siama's new movie, mm-hmm. which kind of has that. I mean, it's kind of set in the '90s made today but it's it's not really about it doesn't have the scope of it's more about mothers and daughters yeah, rather family. than yeah yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah it doesn't have the broader social reach of something like this well and I, I wonder to what extent the uh well let's use D language here the, the the various classes of high school student sure. uh, apply any longer i i i it mm. seems that we are getting the to clicks a, the, the, the particular cliques I mean, and groups the, you are, know, it's there more, are cliques and groups there's archetypes there's your e-girls your um, uh, pick me girls yeah the people the take has some really great uh, videos about sort of the new like social archetypes you know your soft boys well there's some other ones I don't know I, I tried to stay up with what, what the, the kids are calling each other I've heard some of these words before but yeah, I don't you know, know about any, some of these I don't know any of them mean I'll, I'll catch you up later yeah uh, but, I think I've heard my son say the word soft boy before that's the thing yeah it sounds like a Timothy Chalamet you know, okay. We're, we've sort of entered a new era of masculinity. So the uh, the quiet, sensitive type. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, yeah. We, Johnny Depp. We, 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 we had those. We've two. always had, exactly. It's yeah. always we've always had these things. We just repackaged them. Yeah. The e girl was you know the I don't, was was the manic pixie dream girl before. Uh, oh. The e girls are just better written. <laughs> uh, I don't know, man. Uh, it is interesting how these archetypes change, and I it is I think you're right. I think there is such a fracturing of culture that it is going to be interesting how the the classes quote unquote of, of high school students kind of becomes redefined well we're moving uh, from 3.5 to 5.0 yeah. that's what we're doing I, for well D&D. and again we're still doing with like you know i'm thinking most of euphoria because that's sort of the show about zoomers and that's a that's a fucking old millennial you know sam Levine is older than i am he's i think he's older than you are arthur i mean he's you know getting yeah. up there and it's <laughs> You know, I'm just saying, like, he's not a teen, uh, and he's definitely, you know, there's reason to believe his experience, his his thoughts on the experience of teens are probably not accurate to the current experiences of teens. So it's it's interesting that we're having a a generation that maybe should be reflecting more on their own time in high school is now getting interested in what high school looks like right now Mm -hmm. with social media, as opposed to like what it looked like to be an adult when social media sort of took over the way it has. Uh, I, I don't know. I think we're, we're looking at two very different questions. Yeah, I guess. I also wonder if are our millennials as invested as I think younger millennials, especially in nostalgia as Hollywood thinks they are. Mm. Is, I don't know. A whole lot of people went to go see uh, Spider-Man's uh, three. Yeah, but Squ- I, th- I'm Spider-Man's thinking, more, like, of those I'm thinking more Stranger Things than... Interesting. Okay. You know, I mean, Stranger Things, you know, feels still more targeted towards Gen X than it does mm-hmm. millennials. Because I mean, that's a family show. I feel like, right? Like, yeah, it's, it I, feels like it's a show for Gen Xers. Even, with I mean, older I'm kids. born in '86, right? Yeah. So I don't really have a deep recollection of the '80s or '80s You're culture. A 90s kid. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah. And so I, I you know, I, I don't know that we're as caught up in, you know, I think the big thing about nostalgia is like, weren't these days greater, you know, you know, make America great again is I think those two ideas kind of coincide sometimes. Absolutely. Yeah. And I don't know if that's as nostalgia is kind of like inherently conservative in I that regard. I think to the generation that really did come of age with the internet, I don't know that, you know, being aware that, oh, things weren't really that great then. I don't know if nostalgia is as important. So I don't know that we're as interested in looking back in time to see that stuff and reflect on it in the same way that a Romeo and Michelle does. Yeah. Yeah, I or think you're, you're right. big, near the big chill. They're missing the rose-colored lenses, is what yeah. you're saying. Because I think yeah. even even Ladybird has a pretty like clear-eyed picture of yeah. 2002 or whatever it's set. Yeah, high uh, school sucked. Maybe I didn't appreciate my parents. Yeah. It was weirdly. Yeah. It was a weirdly patriotic time because 9/11 had happened. Yeah. Everybody, <laughs> there was flags everywhere, and that's sort of yeah the the conception of of that era. Again, maybe it's just because that is the best movie about sort of our generation at this point. It's sort of kind of the high water mark for revisiting the high school age for people who, you know, graduate high school in the aughts. Um, you know, I, I, there, I can't think of a better example. I really can't. Like, there's nothing that even comes close to that standard that Lady Bird has set. Yeah. Uh, and, and even, he, even on like the sillier side of things, I can't think of anything. Well, I was even other coming of age movies like the way, way back or the Kings of summer, which I think are really good or the spectacular now aren't reflection of the past, you know, mm. you know, I think the thing of doing this almost memoir style approach and, and setting it in the early odds and, and doing what Gerwig does is, is a really dynamic and interesting experience. Yeah. I mean, it grounds it in specificity, right? Cause yeah. all those examples you just mentioned are like contemporarily set. Yeah. But they're all like, like these kids would all like be way more online than any of the kids in those movies you've mentioned are right. Like, and that's sort of the, the inherent logic hang up that there is. Yeah. I like all those movies. Uh, good pulls, by the way. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think they all definitely feel like movies by older people about when they were young, right? Mm-hmm. And I think that that's maybe why Lady Bird is so strong is going ahead and making making that extra step to make it a period piece and to go with that you know specificity of time. I think makes a big difference. Because um, uh, nostalgia is kind of dealt with interestingly here, right? We've we've talked about how. You know, we, we get into these situations later in the movie where everybody's sort of having their conception of who everyone was like, what everyone was like in high school challenged, right? Like uh, Heather is realizing that she was mean to Toby. Romy and Michelle are realizing that Heather had a beef with them. Um, so nostalgia is definitely like mm-hmm. questioned in this movie. I Our feel cowboy like asked for forgiveness. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Very good point. Very good point. Um, man. Totally forgot about that, but yeah, that is the wraparound on the Cowboys. He realizes that he was a big schmuck, and yeah, was, it's like I'm sorry for being yeah, yeah so mean. Should have just given you a light. <laughs> um, just throw that cowboy hat though. That's it's a, a good, good look. look. Anyway, <laughs> um, I, I guess I just as we're kind of wrapping up talking about nostalgia, I think this movie does have it at the very least and suspicion of nostalgia mm-hmm. yeah it, def- so. it definitely is is suspicious of it and, well and i think it's because it's suspicious of memory in general mm-hmm. but yeah and specifically then nostalgia itself is sort of tainted by that root right mm-hmm. can you imagine romy michelle not being cool the madonna twins those would be cool kids at your high school even now i i, I think that they would still be very cool yeah I, I i think it would depend on the culture of the particular high school because i think I have been around groups of high school students where they would be the tryhards. Mm, interesting. 
rather than the actual cool kids. That's fair. Yeah, and, that's I, and fair. so I, I think that's what they could have been at this particular New Mexico, Arizona, Arizona, Arizona school that they went to, is that they yeah. were seen as the tryhards. That's they were, they were They were too. They were too, too cool. Too cool. Too much on the edge. And look, they're trying, you know, which is, I mean, one of the rules of cool is you can't try. Teens hate it when you try. Mm-hmm. Well, is, is that it? Do we have any final thoughts on that, Romeo and That's Michelle? the main things I wanted to talk about. Let's go ahead and pull this train in the station and render a verdict. Shelf or trash? Romeo and Michelle's high school reunion. Arthur, go. Um, I think for me, I would very gently put this on the shelf. I, I really dig it quite a bit. Again, going back to that kind of DNA that it has within the Simpsons and, and that heritage and bloodline there. Uh, it really just, it works for me as a comedy and uh, because of that. So yeah, I, I would shelf this. All right. Very good. What do you say, Dalton? I'm with Arthur. It's, you know, it's not immediate shelving, but it's definitely like it's, it has such a rewatchability factor that's sort of undeniable. And as Arthur said, it's got great comedy pedigree, not just from The Simpsons, but also from The Groundlings. Mm-hmm. Like it is sort of kind of, especially, you know, with Robin Schiff and uh, Kudrow as alum, it's got sort of an interesting place in comedy history. There's mm-hmm. not that many Mira Servino performances, so that alone sort of makes it valuable. Um, is this her biggest movie? I, at least as far as, like, cultural footprint goes, I think so. I think this is, like, by and by a pretty wide margin. I mean, I know she got an Oscar for working with Woody Allen, which, you know, she's sort of talked about before as, you know, not great. Um, but yeah, I mean, this is, I think the big one for her. Um, I can't think of anything else that even comes close to touching it. So I, I think that alone makes it really valuable because uh, it's a, a great comic performance uh, from both of them. But again, the, the voice is undeniable. Mm-hmm. It's just so funny. It, it, it makes every line that Romy has like, 30 percent funnier uh the way she says post-its is seared into my brain post-its, post-its. um well you made them yellow <laughs> it's so good yeah this movie's great i think it's a great time again huge rewatchability factor um and again it's got some sort of uh historical prestige to it now that we're 25 years out from its initial release i, th- I think that patina on it definitely is uh it's got legs culturally, and that, that, that makes something valuable to me. Dustin, what about you? I think it's probably the best commercial expression of the malleability of memory. Wow. And commercial cinema. Yeah. Without I mean, going full out, you know, American independent or art yeah. film. I mean, yeah, it seems like that's... It does a really good job of reckoning with those high school memories. Yeah. yeah. That, that yearbook segment is sort of a huge moment for the film. It seems that if I was going to teach that kind of thing, I would show that, in, again, in those different modes of filmmaking. And, I mean, as far as experimental cinema goes, there's a gazillion examples yeah. of that. So there's no trouble finding those. But I think I'd have trouble finding a, a better commercial cinema version of this yeah. you know outside of something doing some kind of Rashomon thing yeah um and and that that seems that seems to be almost hokey at that point so uh this seems to be a, a little bit um more earnest in the attempt and so mm-hmm. for that reason i'm gonna go ahead and shelf it as well i think it'd be useful for teaching so there you go dear listener those are our thoughts on Romeo and michelle's high school reunion and a big final thank you to uh mrs doctor my wife uh for your patronage and uh, thank you for picking this wonderful film yes thank you mrs doctor his wife um now's the time where i tell you how you can continue this conversation 
if you want to send us your long form feedback, you can go to goodtrashgenrecast at gmail.com. Send us your little letters. We'd love to see them. Uh, you can also find us on Twitter at Good Trash Media, where we post links to the show and uh, other things. We're not super active on there anymore because social media is a terrible place for your brain. Uh, but, you know, we're on there occasionally posting stuff. So uh, give us a follow if you're if you find yourself haunting that corner of the Internet. Uh, finally, if you want to pick a movie. You can go to patreon.com forward slash GTM. Help us keep the lights on and uh, get, you get a, to pick a movie. You get to pick a movie. Uh, you also, uh, if you get to pick a movie, you, you, you've already bought into the getting a DVD tier too, right? That's okay. So if you want to also get movies from us, you can pick a movie or get a movie or both. You know, it's kind of your, well, if you pick a movie, you're getting both is my point. Correct. Uh, anyway, patreon.com forward slash GTM. The tiers are explained over there. We don't need to get into it right now. Uh, that's social media corner, which means it's time for Arthur to tell us what we're going to be doing next week. I'm a gog and a gas. Tell well, me, after tell me. careful consideration, I think we're actually going to stay in the year 1997 okay. next week. Outstanding. More 90s. Yeah. Uh, and, and we're going to do a big action movie. We haven't done one of those in a few months. Hmm. It's going to be historic. A historic action movie from 1990. Actually, an historical or... It's yes. going to be prehistoric. Because next week, ladies and gentlemen, we take a look at The Lost World, Jurassic Park 2. Wow. <laughs> oh, my. Excellent. That's so... Okay, well, I guess we have to, because we've done Jurassic Park, and we've done Jurassic Park 3. We've got to circle back and get part two. I mean, it seems like, yeah, we, we must net the hole, because, you know... There's a thing happening. I now hear. this is unfortunately setting a precedent for us doing the Jurassic World franchise, which I want to go on the record and say I'm not on board with, vehemently against doing that. It has been noted. Okay, just wanted to make sure got it got <laughs> it in there. Just want to make sure we've got it on the other on the ledger. All right, so well, there you have it. Jurassic Park Two: The Lost World: Colon Jurassic. Park. Oh, sorry everyone. By the way, um, I lost my top. You keep watching. We'll keep talking. We'll see you all next time. <laughs> Thank you.